0: shifting from old school paper to a bit of technology. So um, I was trained yesterday by my daughters as to what I should press where. So they will be my tech team for today. Leanne and Bella, I might reach out to you in case if Dada needs help to get the sermon. If the sermon goes blank, you can blame them, okay? <laughs> so um, thank you, um, Kevin, for um, for reading from the Word. You know, we've started the uh, the Book of Acts. What a what a rich um, what a rich book! Right about the early church. There's so much that we as a church can learn from their lives. Isn't that true? Yeah. How many of us want to be like the early church? Let's be honest about it. Or are they very gothic, old school? You know, boring. How many of us really want to aspire to be like the early church? Don't lift your hands up. Okay. Think about it. Um, Last week, um, you know, we looked at the text and I hope you remember the last three sermons that were spoken, right? Last week, what did Raven speak about? Anybody. From the back, it would be good probably. What did Raven speak about? I was just wondering, maybe some Sundays we should have the pulpit at the back and, uh, you know, to, to preach it from there, Right. Just kidding. But what did Raven speak about? Cell groups, you should be knowing. His, his? Yeah, go ahead, Sibis. Yeah, identity of Christ, about who Christ is. And he was preaching a sermon that was so powerful to the Jews that you know that they actually wanted to turn to Christ and know him for who he was. In fact, Jesus was attested by God. Right? We learned that, right? And even in our cell groups, we discussed that. And that's that's great. And thank you, Raven, for that important message about who Jesus was and what Peter, Peter preached. You know, look, just launching for today's sermon from, from what we just read. Um, you know, picture in your mind. Everybody likes experiments. Yeah. Some of the kids I know had a week of science expo. Okay, so we're gonna do an experiment. According to each one of us, what would an ideal church look like? Experiment. Building blocks in your minds can just go ahead. What would an ideal church look like? Think through your preferences just to help you. Everybody's got some, some image? Some image, yeah? You know, our picture of what an ideal church should be is normally formed by our preferences. You know, in case, if we all put our preferences, our thoughts, our views, our styles, even the location, even the way the practices and probably some aspects of teaching, would it all come together? Here's a googly. Would it all come together? Yes or no? Maybe not, right? Maybe not. But, If you are a practicing born-again Christian committed to the church's growth and ministry and you have a strong desire to follow the Word of God and what is mentioned in Scripture, you'll be amazed, brothers and sisters, the puzzles match up. You'll be amazed that the picture of the ideal church is actually influenced of what is mentioned in Acts. Think about it. So from today's passage, We're going to see glimpses of the life, the patterns, and the maturing of the early church, and what we as members of CBF can learn and apply from observing these biblical patterns. Let's look at the context. Why were these, as Kevin was reading out, why were these believers responding this way? It's very strange, right? They're responding like they're emptying themselves out, they're selfless. Why are they strangely responding this way? The context is Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and he's shown himself to his disciples and many others and he's giving them additional instructions concerning the kingdom of God. Now, one of his instructions, Pradeep took us through that, right? To wait in Jerusalem until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit to receive power from him to witness both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus ascended. The first group, the first starting, the birthing of the early church was just 120 believers. They gathered in the upper room to pray and wait and in Acts 2, as Pradeep spoke, there was a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of the Pentecost and that led to people to turn to Jesus, right? Um, Raven also spoke about it. How many people came to know the Lord? From 120 to 3,000, Okay. Again, we'll just do a bit of um, ground rules. Uh, encourage the person next to you to listen to the sermon. Okay, we know some exercises that's been followed. Two, today's chapter is not for Thessalonians. Okay, it is Acts chapter 2, so let's focus on that. Okay, it says in Acts 2.37 that Peter's words pierced their heart and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And then Peter taught them, repent for your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of the name of Jesus Christ and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Later on, we say that many people believed Peter and John. Many people believed and slowly from 120, 3,000, the church grew to 5,000. Nobrenza says, through time, the church also grew geographically. From Jerusalem, the message spread to Lydda, to Sharon, to Jopa, and crossed the Mediterranean Sea into Europe. The message of the gospel moved from the Jewish base in Samaria, Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. You saw how the message is going? And this was at a time where it was very difficult. You know, the increase in numbers and the geographical reach of this, of this, of the faith of the believers, you know, the church also experienced spiritual depth maturity, and vitality. They were unstoppable. The gospel was unstoppable because of the practices of the early church. Nobody could contain them. You know, this portion depicts the development of the inner life of the early church. We're going to go right down thousands of years back and we're going to zoom in and see What was the inner life of this early church? You ready for the journey? Yeah? Let's ask the Spirit of the Lord to speak to us as we go through this portion. JD, you can just put the... You know, Acts 2, 41 to 42 is what we will first look at. Yeah. It says... Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. These are some of the signs of the spiritual depth and the maturity of the early church. In in your groups, you can discuss multiple things, but I've just pointed out two right now, okay? Those who believed, what what did they do next? The progression of their faith, they were baptized. Progression of their faith, next step was they were Added to the church, and here is about the three thousand. Those who believed were baptized. Now look at the response of the saved, the new believers. Three thousand were saved that day. They, they, you know, no wonder this is called a believer's baptism. You need to be knowing in your right mind and in your sound mind exactly what is being preached. Now, did the did the Jews understand what Peter was telling them? Yes or no? They did understand, right? Because it says when Peter was preaching to them, it pierced their hearts. That means there was an understanding of what teachings of the Lord was being taught. Why is it known as a believer's baptism? Is You need to understand to believe what is being said and understood. You need to understand and believe that, you've, you know, that you have repented for your sins, you confessed your sins, you're forgiven for your sins, and you need to take the next step of faith. Believers, baptism. Okay. You know, we also need to understand that Luke, you know, loves his history, right? And, you know, he actually keeps a number count of the number of conversions and the baptism. He keeps a count. He keeps a count of it. You know, we need to remember that this was a radical departure of these devout people believers probably till a couple of months back they would have been calling crucify him crucify him you know we do not want this man release the convict but we want this man to be to be crucified and here they are on peter's preaching they are cut through their heart as to what they've done and they're turning back to jesus so even in this practice of judaism it was a huge u-turn for them in fact it was risky for them to believe in Jesus, it was risky for them to be to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It cost them probably their lives. They were also hated by the, the Jewish leaders. Let me also tell a point. You know, three thousand understood right the gospel. Isn't that true? We all agree, and they responded by faith in baptism. Let me tell you this: for them, their greatest risk now is any one of you sitting here who do not know Jesus as your personal savior. Learn from you know just just reflect on these dear ones. Their greater risk was remaining unrepentant. They were okay to risk their lives, but their greatest risk was they you know of remaining unrepentant was their greatest risk. So they publicly identified themselves with Christ as a sign of their repentance. Hats off to them, right? Pradeep mentioned about mikwas, okay, um, you know. I, um, Earlier on, I was not too thrilled about Greek and Hebrew, uh, some of these words, because, uh, but I come to realize that there is a lot of depth in these these words. Mikwa is nothing like that. Mikwa is ceremonial baths that has been discovered in archaeological sites on the southern slope of the temple. And these are baths that people got in, washed their hands, or dipped themselves and went into the temple. These mikwas were used probably by the early believers for believers' baptism. Go look, check it out. You can see different uh, sites that were unearthed. We can see the spiritual depth and maturity of these believers. They believed, they were baptized, and they were added to the church. You saw the sign of progression? They were not comfortable of where they were at. JD, before you put... uh, JD, yeah, let's, let's hide it. Okay. The second sign is the progression of their devotion. First sign was what? progression of their, of their, yeah, progression of their faith, the second is the progression of the devotion, there was wholehearted devotion, wholehearted devotion, the NLT says all the believers devoted themselves, NKJV says and they continued steadfastly and they devoted themselves, they're continually devoting themselves to four elements which we would look at it later, Devotion means continually devoting, giving constant attention to, being steadfast, persevering, pressing on. Now, brothers and sisters, only a person who's truly committed his life or her life to Jesus can wholeheartedly demonstrate a wholehearted commitment to God, Okay, to the gospel and to the church. It was ongoing and it was steadfast. Look into your life. And I just want to make the statement, faith in Christ should reveal a radically changed way of living. Faith in Christ should reveal a radically changed way of living. There's some professing Christians, they have a different thought, okay? There's a false dichotomy between the secular and the spiritual, right? Church life versus all the other life that matters. They claim that they are being a Christian um, by what they are doing, but their focus of their life is the world and not the things of the Lord. There are many other things that make up their life in Christianity, and sometimes all these things adds up. The result, if your devotion is weak, you will be weak. If your devotion is weak, it also affects the local church. Is that to us? Is my devotion wholehearted commitment or is my devotion really weak and shaky? You know, if the body does not function properly, then both the whole and the individual parts that make it up are unhealthy. You know, we can see through Acts that these early Christians had a commitment to Christ and were completely devoted to one another and that defined who they were. I like what Paul mentions in Galatians 2 verses 20. He says, you know, this is this is a brilliant example of wholehearted devotion. Okay, He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I'm so devoted that I've crucified myself with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but who lives in me? Christ lives in me. And then he comes back to the earthly um, place. He says, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. Amazing, right? You saw wholehearted devotion to God. And he says, my earthly life doesn't matter to me. You know, are you and me devoted and committed member of of this little church? You know, are you and me steadfast in building yourself up in things of the Lord and being a blessing to the church? Francis says, are you and me devoted to the world or are you and me devoted in building up the body of Christ? Is your devotion weak? Think about it. Is your devotion partial? If it is partial and if your devotion is weak, the church also gets affected. If your devotion is steadfast and completely committed, the church and its members will be blessed. Remember, remember, Faith in Christ should reveal a radically changed way of living. Two signs, two signs, okay? Signs of maturity and depth. Is that fair? Can we say that that's what we, that's at least some of the things that we can see from this passage? Now, they were spiritually mature, spiritually deep, and in that entire journey, right, you could actually see some of the practices that they were doing in the early church. And JD, if you could just go to the... um, The next, uh, the next portion, yeah. So Acts two verses forty two. We look at this verse, and it says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper, and to prayer. The first element. Let's look what they followed. So they followed four unique elements and that's what we as a church at cbf we as elders would like us to follow exactly what the church in acts um, started off at first is the apostle's teaching you know the doctrines of Jesus' life and his teachings were taught to the new converts it was like carrying out jesus commission of matthew 28 to make disciples baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that he commanded to You know, these dear Jews and these new believers would have now imagined the scribes and the Pharisees actually were leading us astray. They wanted to hear what Jesus was saying. You know, I'll I'll tell you something interesting. Just imagine, many of them would have seen Jesus or probably even experienced who Jesus was, but they never believed in him. And now they want to give clear attention to what is being preached because they probably say, man, I am a Christian and I miss when Jesus hung out with us. I was there, but I didn't believe in him. You know, you know, as elders, and this is something that I've been, Colossians 1 verse 10 is something that I'm praying for the church, lovingly praying for the church. And as elders, our prayer over you is, and I want to repeat this out, Okay. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will always produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. That's our prayer as elders for each one of you. Please do not take it lightly. Cling on to the Lord cling on to growing dearly in God's word. You know, we live in a time where doctrine is just—you know—it's like looked down upon by many, right? Many people, you know, they do not like the doctrine because they do not want to be accountable. Actually, they do not want to be accountable to the Holy Spirit. And 2 Timothy four verse three, it's predicted that there will come a time when people just want to hear what they want to hear, right? And they want their ears to be tickled. And they're like teachers who kind of tell them, you know, way to go, you know, like good life, man, good life. But the apostles' teaching is very different. It was about the doctrines and the word of God that was based on what Jesus spoke. You know, think about it. What would we. W- now, when we're looking down at them, do we want to become like them? Do we want to become like them? You know, are we devoting ourselves to the Word of God, to Scripture? I'm not talking about quiet time. It's just consuming Scripture that it is like tender coconut on a summer day. I'm just in an analogy, okay? It's like it has meaning, it has purpose, it, has, it does something to you that is unbelievable. Is Scripture your foundation for your spiritual growth and maturity? I'm repeating this question. Is Scripture, the Word of God, your foundation for your spiritual growth and maturity? Are you and me like the noble Berians? I would love to go hang out with these guys. You know, where uh, they're sitting and looking at Scripture and just enjoying, you know, I, I believe that they wouldn't have been boring, okay? They would have been a fun crowd to hang out with. And they examined the Scriptures daily to see what was being taught matched with God's Word. And if your prayer is you want to become like a noble Berrian, the Spirit of the Lord will help you. We see that the early church grew from strength to strength. If you are getting weak, go back to the root issue and find out why are you still spiritually weak. I'm also speaking to all of our dear ones who might be nodding off right now. Please wake up. There are times for us to wake up and listen to the word of God. So the first element was what? To the apostles' teaching. Let's look at the next element that they followed. Fellowship. You know, it's a basic uh, structural element of church life. You know, who wants to be an active member of the church? Well, I see one of Joby Lydia's kids just raised his hand uh, right at the back. Uh, yeah, Judah also has raised his hand. I think we have a new generation that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, you know, we all want to be an active member of the church, Right. Brothers and sisters, fellowship is essential. You know, many people think of fellowship as what, you know, attendance. Isn't that true? Attendance, getting together, talking, you know, enjoying, you come here, the AC is too hot, yeah. You know, or, you know, um, I just want to find a nice spot. Some of us have got some spots that we like, right? And we just want to go, no, don't talk to anybody. Just focus, look at the Bible, you know, no. You know, that's sometimes fellowship. Sometimes it's also conversations. Conversations over, how's the stock market doing? You know, or, you know, various things, right? and sisters, that is not fellowship. That is just socializing. You know, many people perceive that church is like a hotel. You know, when you get into the hotel, uh, in the into the lift of a hotel, you hear, ding, 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 ding. you know, that music, right? The, you know, the very soothing music. Church is like that. I love the music. I love the air, air condition. It has to be there, So I like the air condition. I like the people. You know, it's like a hotel. You know, you visit once in a while. Okay? You eat some fellowship stuff together. You get some nutrients. You say hi to people that are like you. Okay? And then you go your way. What is fellowship? You are super it was. Is that fellowship? Or is it equivalent to going to a hotel for services? A spa? Oh, I felt so good. I know many of us, I think we are in a hotel uh, Romans 12 verses 4 and 5, it says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a function, so it is with Christ. We are are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. You know, there's a common term in fellowship known as koinonia, right? We've all heard about koinonia? Yep. Koinonia is life in the body of Christ. It is communion not only with each other, but each other with the triune God. I'll repeat that. It is communing not only with each other, but each other with the triune God. You know, there's a Christian author who explains fellowship, and I'm just going to quote him. He says, fellowship is like God's vehicle for us to express and receive Christ's love. You know, in fellowship, you see these verses, they were all in it together together. It was there. it was them, it was among all the evidence of close fellowship the early church believers had. We also at CBF should strive for it. You know, questions for us to reflect. Do we put members of the church first? Or is it always me? Or is it always for my own benefit? Think about it. Remember, fellowship is not transactional. It's not following traditions, not creating divisions or factions, not involved in gossip, not hypocritical, not cliques or elites. This can create fellowship to soar and affects the entire body of Christ. Can you and me see that those who are part of this church, CBF, are God's people? They belong. Their lives matter. They are His sons and His daughters. They're your and my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because of your love to God and His people, give your time, energy, your resources, and your emotions as directed by the Holy Spirit to build up godly fellowship in CBF. Can we strive for that? The third element that that the early church did was to share in meals um, and especially the Lord's Supper. You know, when it mentions meals, their actual focus was just not any fellowship meal. It was especially to remember the, the Lord's table, the breaking of bread. Was baptism commanded by the Lord Jesus? Yes or no? Yes? Was the Lord's supper commanded by the Lord Jesus? Yes? So it's, it was very important for them, even these new believers, at the risk of their lives to be obedient to Jesus' command to remember his death until he comes by observing the Lord's table. And that is why we as elders and as a church, we have this practice of breaking the bread, having the cup of juice and remembering the Lord's death, his offering and his sacrifice. You know, those who believed were baptized, they were added to the church and they expressed the oneness, unity in Christ with other believers by observing the Lord's table. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll bring a verse to us. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. You can all turn to it. Um, is it put up here, J.D.? Yeah, there you go. It's at the bottom, okay? Now look at the we in that. Look at the we in that. When we bless the Lord, when we bless the cup of at the Lord's table aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from the one loaf of bread showing we are one body. You need to be in agreement, in understanding, following the doctrines of the Lord. So these, they were born again, baptized believers who were members of this church and they knew exactly what the Lord's table meant okay so we uh, jd you can just um yeah so the believers devoted themselves to one the apostles teaching two was two, fellowship three is sharing in meals including the lord's supper And let's look at the last one prayer prayer is a final element that they were completely devoted to We can also look at individual prayers and corporate prayers of different types. Prayers of thanksgiving, praise, petition, confession, and intercession. You know, these Jews are probably used to doing such prayers in Judaism, but this was different. In spite of the risk over their lives, these early Christians understood the importance of coming before the Lord in prayer and in seeking His leading and blessing. A sobering thought for all of us. Jesus had ascended to heaven, and they could no longer see Him, Touch him or talk to him or even hear from him, right? But they could still talk to him through prayer. Isn't that amazing? Moved by the Holy Spirit, they could still talk to Jesus. And he would still communicate to them through the apostles' doctrine the moving of the Holy Spirit who dwelt in them. You know, prayer is such an essential element of church life and the growth of its members. At the same time, it's such an important spiritual discipline that needs constant focus. I do struggle with prayer. I really struggle with prayer. But there are new things that I've worked towards where I would pray. Even Preeti and myself would be spending time in prayer. Romans 8 verse 26, Romans 12 verses 12 Um um, and Philippians four verses five and seven, we look at it in multiple verses. Um, we can see the, how much prayer is is essential. You know, t- tragically, prayer is one of the most neglected spiritual disciplines. Isn't that true? Yeah. It is one of the most neglected spiritual disciplines. Why? Because we are so busy. God is so busy. So I can just tell him, and you know, he he gets it. Yeah, he gets it. He understands my situation. He knows that. You know, he knows I'm so busy in life. Isn't that true? So we think that anyway, God understands. So I'll just say some few things, Uh, bullet points I'll tell him, and it gets done, right? You know, but we as elders, we pray that CBF would be a praying church, an interceding church, you know, individually and corporately, constantly. You know, we have the prayer today, right? A fortnightly prayer. Encourage, just imagine 120 of us. 120 of us just being and praying together and we are praying for countries, we're praying for people groups, we're praying for missionaries, why not the church pray? Because without prayer, the church did not grow, the church grew from where they were at and they went went global because of prayer. I just want to make this statement and request everybody's attention. Please keep your phones away. Please keep your phones away. Anybody sleeping, please wake up. CBF will only be effective as a church in carrying out God's plan only if we pray. Shall I repeat that one more time? CBF will only be effective as a church in carrying out God's plan only if we pray. Amen? Can we try? Can we try to, spirit, to develop that, that muscle for us? You know, when I was preparing for this, um, for this message, uh, you know, I've read Hebrews, but um, there was a verse in Hebrews that really caught my attention. In Hebrews 5, verses 7 to 10, but I'm just going to read the first two lines. This is the example of Jesus' prayer life. It says, In the days of his flesh, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. The first Christians were committed to prayer along with the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of the bread. And the result was a rapid growth spiritually, numerically, and geographically they just went through. You know, as we come to the the second part of today's sermon, Uh, We will look at Acts 2 verses 43 to 47. So we saw that the believers were baptized and they were added to the church. These dear ones, they were completely devoted to the four elements that the first one was to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, confidently say to fellowship. Third is the breaking of the bread and the fourth was to prayer. Good practice, We're all in agreement, good practice. You know, that good practice had to have some effect. Okay, you see some of our dear ones trying to take care of their health. Do you see some effect? Should we see some effect? Some of our dear ones wanna have some good routines in their life. And you can you talk to them and you can hear good practices today. And there's an effect over their body, over their mind, the way that they think, even over their families. It does something, right? So there has to be if you know, cause and effect is connected, okay? There has to be an effect of these dear ones practicing what we just learned. So let us look at the effects of it, okay? Acts 2, 43 and 44 we will look at. Now, these are the effects, okay? A deep sense of awe came over them all. Hmm. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. You know, in your cell group, um, you can discuss many more. There's so much more. I just wanted to highlight four of them. The first one was, fear came upon every soul. Just because of what they were doing, fear came upon people, on every soul. Probably there would have been people just attending, like seekers, even in their midst, fear came upon them. It was an evidence that God was moving through the church. You know, in Greek, there's a word called phobos, phobia, phobos. You know, the result of these apostles doing the signs and wonders it led to a state of phobos. And phobos is nothing but reverent fear. Reverent fear. Just as Jesus, as with Jesus, the purpose of these wonders and signs was to demonstrate the authority, the authenticity of Jesus in his ministry on earth. And Raven mentioned he was attested by God. You know, is there a sense of awe and reverence, fear when people get involved in your lives? That in that reverent fear that they are, they, they are amazed of what God is doing in your life, right? Do when many dear ones, and including our kids, you know, when they are here together for worship, do you sense the Spirit of the Lord pointing us? And today, you know what, every Sunday, meaning I enjoy the worship because it takes me to being sitting next to my Savior. It takes me to a place that is very special for me reverent fear. People come to realize about their sin, repentance, and restoration. Our life, our practices should always lead to people turning to God and having a reverent fear of God. You know, the, the second um, effect that it created was real fellowship was experienced. Real fellowship was experienced. We know what fellowship was, right? But this was, this was different, guys. Very different. You know, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. There was no distinctions, no race, no color, no socioeconomic differences. There was no issue of having ethnic groups coming together. All the believers were together and genuine fellowship it held because the believers are together. Unless the believers are together, you will not experience true fellowship. It promoted unity in the midst of risk and extreme diversity. There was no pretense, there was no hypocrisy, no personal agenda or no special groups or special meetings. The health of the group, now I want everyone to listen here, the health of the group was more important than anyone's individual agenda. The health of that group was more important than anyone's individual agenda. They were selfless in their provisions, in everything that they did. They had all things common, and everyone who had need, their needs were met. You know, when I was growing up, um, you know, uh, I've come to realize how much I cherish all the assemblies and all the churches that has invested into my life. There was a point, and young ones, I want you to listen to me. You know, there was a point in my life I was very arrogant. I felt that only some churches are perfect and some churches are not But I'll tell you where I saw real fellowship many a times, you know, and, you know, there is Ronnie's parents here, right? Bob, uncle, and she auntie. You know, when I was tiny, probably, I don't know, Miku's age, wearing shorts and school uniform, you know, my dad and mom and Bob, uncle and Amama had an agreement. Where, you know, because of the work and all of that, that we would all pitch in the fellowship, I'll tell you, I remember the... You know, the, the, you know, those of you in you know, that one church, the unity was so intense that uncle used to drop me to school. Should I be thankful? I should. Many times my, myself and my sisters got rides with uncle. You know, probably he took his day, half day off to drop the other believers' children to school and there were many dear ones just pitching in. There was fellowship. They were selfless. They were devoted to each other. They wanted the best for each one of their children. You know, another example is, um, you know, Dr. Joseph and Susan. For me, they are Joker chan and Susma. Um, You know, him being a doctor, you know, I, I can imagine everybody's call went to whom? Joker chan right? At different points of their life. Even in his profession, and Susma used to take tuitions. Many of the kids, including mine, you know, she knows. Don't ask a lot of history about my academics, but I'm. But I'm just saying is they played a role even at the lives of the church to equip one another up, to build one another up. It's because when fellowship is real, you want to do that for each other, right? You go beyond of what you're called to do. I'm really thankful for all the churches and all the individuals who've invested into my life, into my parents' life, and also into the life of many. I can never forget it. I can never forget it. Every church in your life has played a role. Acknowledge that. But sometimes, we become a little bit more uh, like an Ananias and Sapphira, right? You know, when they saw that um, Barnabas had sold his property in Greece and it was brought, you know, they wanted to actually prove that they also wanted to do something, right? Again, A little bit of a competition probably grew. I don't know. know, So from that incident that happened in Acts 5, I just want to point this out. You know, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was not about giving. It was not about money, brothers and sisters. The sin was about hypocrisy. The sin was about acting like you love people and making people think you care more than you really care. That was the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. What did Peter say? You have not lied against us, but against the Holy Spirit. You saw how the Holy Spirit was buzzing and fully charged in the midst of this, in the midst of this church? And I'm going to read a quote. Um, you know, I just explained a few examples of fellowship. I know that many of you have gone through. I remember Prithvi's elder in, in, in Hyderabad. He's gone to be with the Lord. But during the COVID time, uncle used to be out there. Out there. Sacrificing himself at that age. And after the COVID, the second wave of COVID, Prithvi, he went to be with the Lord. That can't be for any gains, brothers and sisters. It was because of his devotion and love to the Lord. You know, um, Brother Chip Ingram, he says, the biblical picture of the church is not a hotel. It's a home. A home is where you belong and where you both give love and receive love, deal with problems, care, provide, help, support each other. And when you have a problem, it's a place that you go to receive help. That is church. That is church. You know, what a great example for us to learn from the early church, right? So I just want to ask some of us, or all of us, do you see CBF as a hotel? Or do you see CBF as your family and as your home where you will truly practice koinonia and true fellowship with one another? The other thing is, the the next effect was, there was unity and gladness and simplicity of heart. They were united with one mind. Because they had all had the common faith and there was a faith in the Lord Jesus. John 13 verses 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, they did all of this with great joy, with humble hearts, giving praise to God. No wonder they were having goodwill from people. No wonder people loved them. The early church, I want, I encourage all of you to listen. The early church was happy, humble, glad, Simple, generous, sacrificial. Because they did everything with one accord and were united together. God was praised and glorified and God gave them favor. The last effect is growth. is growth. You know, the result of all that they were doing, right? I'm just going to track us back, okay? These new believers, they believed, they were baptized and they were added to the church and they completely devoted themselves to the four important elements that we looked at what was the effect at the end they grew in fact they grew and the verb being saved it means it's passive it means god was doing that god was doing that God in His grace and His sovereignty and His mercy were adding people to the church. It was not the work of these men. They were just being organic to do what God was asking them to do. The effect was different. The effect was different. God was working in the midst of it. You know, our part is simple, brothers and sisters. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. In carrying out His instructions and then watching Him at work. The gospel was evidently shared and lived out in the actions, words, and the patterns and the normal living of the early church believers. And that attracted many to be part of the church. Are you and me faithful to the gospel and reflecting the gospel through our daily lives? Think about it. Think about it. And in in our cell groups, we can discuss um, further. Concluding, you know, one thing I just want to share is, um, uh, you know, some of the sisters, you know, they just wanted to extend the fellowship of the church, okay? Here, some of the sisters, and they've done something just to bring the fellowship, and they have, meaning there's not much of thinking, they've just gone ahead. So today, you will see an extension of fellowship if you go down to the dining area. Nobody asked anything, nobody said anything, but they just felt that they need to do it to build the church up. An expression of fellowship. I just wanted to mention that, okay? Concluding, concluding. Now from today's passage, we saw a glimpse of the life, the patterns, and the maturing of the early church. Were you able to go with us in that journey? where you look from a top-down view into the life of this beautiful early church from 120 to 3,000, 5,000, and it just went global? You know, the biblical patterns, the way it was lived out and guided by the apostles can be learned from the letters, as as, as Ravens was saying, from the Pauline letters. I encourage you to even to read the exemplary church, the church in Thessalonica. Already, we are already studying it for for camp, right? So I just want to close this. Can we strive? And I want all of us to just close your Bibles now. And um, we're also going to sing a song, and uh, I would request if Joby, if, Jobi, if If you could just come up. You know, can we all strive to constantly strive to bear fruits with spiritual depth and maturity in our lives? Can we strive for continually in all seasons devoting ourselves to the learning of the Word of God, doctrines in fellowship and in prayer? Can we strive to share the gospel and encourage many to turn to Jesus? to be baptized and to be added to the church. Let this be our prayer, CBF, each one of us. Let's pray that through each one of our lives, our families, our ministry to the church, and through CBF, that many would experience reverence and godly awe of His presence in our midst. Many would experience true, honest, and spirit-filled fellowship without hypocrisy. That many would see Christ through our unity, gladness and simplicity of heart and many would be added to the church so the Lord will give an increase to this church by people turning their lives to Jesus lives revived, repented and restored back to God that CBF would have many more spiritual children many more spiritual children as we close um, you know Jesus said that he would build his church, right? J.D., the last slide. Matthew 16, verses 18. Jesus said that he would build his church. Can I request all of us to please rise up? And just close your eyes. Um, And I know that there are many visitors here, and I want to encourage you all that even this sermon is... Probably for you to invest back into your church wherever it is. You know, we know that Jesus would build His church because the church belongs to him. But as members of CBF, are you willing? Are you willing to be selfless? Are you willing to give it all up, be sacrificial, to empty yourself out? As members of CBF, are you willing to build his church? And let nothing prevail against it not us not our sins not our gossips not our hypocrisy not our thoughts of how it should be but let nothing including us prevail against it lord we want to thank you that we truly want to be the salt and light of this city and even in this land we want to retell triumphs of god's grace We want to to retell triumphs of what you've done in our lives. We want to thank you that even though we've not seen you, we've not met you, we've not sat with you, we've not had a meal with you, we thank you that through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you've led us to know you as our God and as our Savior. How blessed are we, Lord. How blessed are we. We thank you, Lord, for the early church. What amazing faith, Lord, that they showed at the the risk of their lives, even probably as persecution broke, even to the point of death, that they were completely devoted to you, Lord, completely devoted to each other, Lord. Thank you for those elements that they followed steadfastly, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the effects of that early church that we just learned, Lord. We pray that you would be with us, CBF, all of our dear ones today. If there's anyone in our midst who do not know you, Lord, we pray, Lord, that they would turn towards you and find you and that you would accept them, Lord. They would believe that they would be baptized and they would be added to the church, Lord. So we want to thank you for all that you've done, Lord. Help us to practice. Help us not to be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. But help us to experience your word much more deeper, Lord, than ever before. Help us to experience koinonia, Lord, in unity with the Spirit of God. Help us to enjoy partaking from the emblems from a day-to-day, from, an, from a weekly basis as we practice. And we pray that our fellowship will be with you in prayer, Lord. Lord, let the world see that the believers in CBF have got hope, have a purpose, and they believe in eternity, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Help us to be as a church a good servant, good and faithful, that we will run our faith and our race well till the day that you return, Lord. Thank you for these amazing scripture portions that we learned today, Lord. We thank you for the example that we can follow as a church from these early Christians, Lord. We bless this morning in your word, in your name, in Jesus Christ, most precious name we pray.